It's another week, and that means it's time for another new episode of The Anxious Creative. I'm I'm trying so hard not to say I'm so pumped, but I feel like that's just what wants to come out of my mouth every time because you guys, I literally am so excited every week to come on here and chat with you and hang out. So I am pumped that you're here with me. I'm excited because this week we are talking straightforward and to the point all about anxiety. You're listening to the Anxious Creative Podcast, episode 36. I overthink, I overshare, and I overanalyze. So come explore with me as I chat about business, life, and relationships all through the lens of an anxious creative. All right, anxiety. As most of you know, um, I struggle. It's something that I have struggled with and something I didn't know I always had. Um, and I really don't like using labels a lot. Um, I don't, I feel like labels can be limiting and that they can really get inside of our heads and we can use them as a crutch sometimes. However, I don't, where am I even going with this? I don't like to say I have anxiety. I say I struggle with it or I deal with it because I don't want it to become an identity. And yes, obviously my whole podcast is called The Anxious Creative. I don't want that to become something that is limited to me, but I just wanted to do this episode because I was I feel so strongly about chatting more openly about anxiety and how it manifests in our lives and how it can really it can show up in so many different ways and it, it can affect us in so many different ways, but it doesn't have to be something that holds us back. And that's why I wanted to come and share with you guys just a little bit about my journey, um, maybe share some things that you haven't heard before and just kind of be an open book because I wish I would have had more knowledge about anxiety or even know that I struggled with it. Because looking back, I look back on my life and anxiety is something that has always been there. When I was little, I have this very, very distinct memory of my parents going out for the evening, probably trying to go on a date night and me like bawling my eyes out and not wanting my mom to leave and not. I, it's weird. Like I can remember the intensity of that feeling. And I remember like laying in my bed and our babysitter was there and my brothers were there and I was crying and my mom was trying to let me know, like, don't worry, we're coming back in a couple hours. And I don't know what it was, but it was this like irrational fear. And I don't remember what I was actually scared of happening. If I just like, didn't want to be, if I had like major separation anxiety from my mom or what, but I remember that intense feeling even though I don't remember what the fear was of just not wanting her to leave. And just like that obviously is a form of fear and anxiety. And then fast forward in my life. And I was always like a shy, nervous kid. Um, But in grade eight, I started, I don't even, I remember a friend telling me that she pulled her hair out. And I remember thinking that was kind of weird. Um, But I remember like, kind of like, pulling a piece of hair and kind of having this like sense of relief. And then it got worse and I started pulling out my eyelashes. And this is when I started to really feel the shame of, uh, it's called trichotillomania. 
Um, and it's something that I have dealt with for a while. And it's actually one of the ways that my anxiety as well as stress can manifest itself. Uh, and this is a thing that's very raw and hard for me to talk about, especially as someone who's a hairstylist. I hid it for such a long time. Um, but in grade eight, once again, I've been working with a therapist trying to figure out if there was like one event or something that happened that triggered um, this sort of like stress and anxiety in my life. And I haven't come to a conclusion yet, but it could be, you know, many, many small things that add up. But in grade eight, I pulled out all my eyelashes, uh, pretty intense. And I remember being so embarrassed and being like, oh my goodness, what have I done? And I remember literally having like four eyelashes on my one eye. And so I would wear like black eyeliner all the time to try and hide it. And I remember in class one day, there was a couple of girls at school and they were like, Dawn, look to the side. And I knew they were looking, and I was like, why? And they're like, just look to the side. And they were wanting to like point out the fact that I had no eyelashes. And I remember being so embarrassed, completely uh, just like feeling embarrassed and shame that I had pulled out all my eyelashes. And so I tried to hide it. I tried to like start. So I started pulling out my eyebrows instead. And oh my goodness, if you guys saw a picture of me, I just, we were back in at my parents' house a few weeks ago and I put in a VHS of when I was in grade eight and oh, I overplucked my eyebrows like crazy. Oh my goodness. Um, but I also pulled my eyebrows and then it started becoming pulling the hair on my head. And I remember I didn't go for a haircut for so long because I was embarrassed that the hairdresser was going to see this like big bald spot. And I remember when I did, my mom's like, you need a haircut. And I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed to go get a haircut. So we ended up, I ended eventually ended up going and getting my haircut. And this hairdresser's like, huh, you have like this big bald spot. And I was like, Oh, like totally acted like I had no idea what it was from. And then she got out the mirror and she showed me it. And I just remember feeling sick to my stomach because I knew I'd been pulling my hair, but I don't think I realized how bad it was. And then all of a sudden you don't really see it. All of a sudden she like parted my hair and showed me it. And I was like, Oh, and there was no no way of knowing. Like, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know it had a name and it's called trichotillomania. Um, and lots of people suffer with it. Um, but at the time, like no idea, I didn't talk to my parents about it because once again, it was this like feeling of shame. And then it almost like created more anxiety in my life. I know I'm here to talk about anxiety, but it kind of, you guys know, I go off on tangents, but it was just this thing that then I, tried to keep secret because I was embarrassed. Like I pull out my hair. I felt so like, who does that? And I felt so alone and so embarrassed. And I didn't know why I was doing it. I didn't understand it. So that made it even worse. And I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. This is such a, like, I was like thinking I was some big weirdo. And so it amplified that stress and anxiety because the more I isolated myself with it, the more I felt alone. And I think we all can relate to that in one way or another with lots of things. Lots of times um, I felt like I'm the only one who thinks this or feels this and I can't share this with anyone. So that's why I really wanted to come do this episode because I wanted to shine a light on the fact that on something that I struggle to talk about and I struggle to share because I feel embarrassed about it still. And uh, I just know that I am not the only one. And if I can help you with some of your struggles, then I feel like, you know, that's the whole point of this. Anyway, tangent on. So 
I don't even remember. It continued all through high school. It's flared up. And usually when I'm more stressed or big change is happening that disrupts my routine, um, it amplifies. And realizing, I think it was when I was 19, and I've talked about this before a little bit, is when I got put on antidepressant anti-anxieties. And I remember not thinking, like, I'm not depressed. I don't have anxiety. Like, I had the stigma was real and I had it on myself. And I was, once again, I felt like not a complete person or I felt like I wasn't whole because of all this stuff. And it wasn't until recently that I was at my therapist and you guys, you know, I talk a lot uh, about going to therapy and I'm a therapy advocate. I think everyone can benefit from therapy. I don't believe it's a weakness. I believe it's a strength to be able to say that I need to go and talk to somebody about stuff. And having someone that's outside your life with an outside perspective, it's just, it's different. And they're there to listen to you. They're not trying to fix you because you guys know how when you go to someone just to vent or just to talk and all they do is try and tell you how to fix things. Sometimes you're like, I just want you to listen. Um, But I love going to therapy. There's times where like, you know, more stuff is happening that I need to go more often, but Lots of times I just need to go for like a checkup every like once a month or once every couple months. Anyway, I was at my therapist within within the last year or so. And I was saying to her about like how my hair pulling had gotten bad again. And I was in the midst of some change and stuff with business. And she's like, well, you know, and I was like, I know it's called trichotillomania. Like I know this, this is like, it's like all stuff that I know. And she's like, did you know that? It's not the pulling out of the hair that's what... It's like a compulsion at this point. She's like, it's not the pulling out of the hair that people um, like about it. It's actually when your body feels pain, like pulling out a hair, your brain immediately releases um, feel-good endorphins, or I think it might be serotonin, but don't quote me on that. (laughs) I like to whip out just medical terms and not know what I'm actually talking about. But like your brain releases feel-good endorphins chemicals in order to combat the pain. So anytime you feel pain, your body releases them. That's why like people go into shock and blah, blah, blah. I think don't, once again, not medically, but I'm pretty sure that's why, um, you know, your, your brain tries to help you with the pain. And so with trichotillomania, um, and like, and same with cutting, she said, it's not that people enjoy the pain of the cutting themselves or the pain of pulling the hair out. It's the relief and the release of those endorphins that becomes kind of not an addiction, but kind of that's what you're, you're, you're enjoying that like flood of feel goodness through your body. Does that make sense? And when I learned that, I was like, interesting, this is insightful. (laughs) And this is shines a light on it. Like, Oh, it makes sense because if I'm doing this more when I'm stressed or when I have anxiety about an outcome of something, or I'm feeling fearful of some um, big, bold steps I'm making in business and life and stuff, of course, that feel good endorphin, I want to say it's serotonin. I'm going to, I should have Googled it before I came to record this, but let's say it's serotonin. And if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Um, but of course, I'm going to want to have that that feeling going through me that's going to help ease the anxiety and ease the stress. So of course my hair pulling is going to be more stronger during those times because it's going to give that little bit of relief. So that I remember thinking maybe just knowing that is going to help me. Eh, It really hasn't. It still happens. But the other thing that she shone a light on with it for me is that, um, 
It's a form, it can be a form of self-harm. And when she said that, I was kind of in shock and not going to lie, guys, I like went home after and cried because I was like, self-harm? I don't self-harm. And, you know, that's when she was like, it's similar to the people who cut and how cutting is a thing. And I was like, interesting. And then when she explained the whole endorphin thing, I'm like, that totally makes sense. And so I really wrestled with it for a while being like, huh, my trichotillomania is a form of self-harm. And I was like, I'm not someone who self-harms. But then when the more I thought about it, I was like, well, I'm just putting a stigma on like self-harm stuff. And I'm not really, you know, I just wanted to reject the idea and I wanted to reject um, her letting me know that because I didn't want to accept the truth. And I feel like, like if you're not in your head right now being like, yeah, so much easier to reject an idea than accept the truth when something's like so bang on. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was me. I was like, oh, I don't want to admit that this could be self-harm, but if self-harm comes out of a place of like needing that those endorphins to be released to help you through something stressful, then that totally makes help, makes sense and really helps me wrap my mind around it. Has it helped me combat it? No. Is it something I still struggle with? Absolutely. And that's why it was so hard to decide to do this episode, to talk to you guys about anxiety and my anxiety specifically and how I work through it and how it manifests manifests itself. Um, a lot of the time, my anxiety is the fear of what everyone else is thinking about me. And you guys have heard, if you've listened to my podcast episode about boundaries, which is still my number one listen to, ep- listen to episode. So if you haven't, go check it out. It's a gooder. <laughs> and I think I maybe sing, I think I sing in it. I feel like whenever I sing for you guys, you really like it, which is so funny because um, not the best singer. It's that time in the episode where I come in and interrupt myself because you guys know I'm an interrupter. <laughs> something I'm working on, it is something I struggle with. But the reason why I am purposely interrupting is to let you guys know that this episode of The Anxious Creative is brought to you by my free online business education. Being self-employed and running a business can be super hard and oftentimes leave me feeling overwhelmed. And it wasn't until I realized this one thing that was sabotaging my business and keeping me from success that I continued in that cycle. So I want you to go to donbradley.com backslash the one thing. That's donbradley.com backslash the one thing and find out the one thing that could be sabotaging your business and how to fix it. All right, let's get back to me and all about anxiety. Anyway, what was I even saying? I was totally going off on a tangent about anxiety. Oh, the fear. Yeah. So I always fear like my biggest anxiety in life is what other people are going to think of me. And I kind of thought, I remember as a kid saying to my mom once, like, I can't wait till I'm an adult and all this like friend drama and I goes away. And like, I don't care what other people think. And I don't know if those are the exact words, but I remember my mom saying like, it doesn't ever go away. And I think I, I hoped and thought as a child that once you became an adult, like life just got easier and it all was just a breeze. And I'm sure lots of kids think that, um, and realizing it doesn't go away and I still want people to like me. And I still have this intense fear 
of people thinking badly of me. And you know what has really helped me get through a lot of that anxiety and a lot of that insecurity is realizing, and this is where I had to be really honest with myself, which was not being honest with yourself is not fun always (laughs) or ever maybe. Um, But I realized, you know, what's making me so insecure is that my, I fear what other people are thinking of me. And I like fill in the blanks. I'm like, oh, they're probably thinking this. Oh, they're probably thinking this too. What if they're saying this? What is this? And it's because here's the honesty part. That's not fun. I, the way I think of other people and previously to becoming a little bit more self-aware, I didn't realize how judgmental I was of other people. And because of my judgmentalness, is that a word? I assumed other people were judging me just the same. And the thing that has really helped me get through my anxiety and fear of what other people are thinking of me is learning to not be so judgmental. As soon as I started having a more softness towards other people, I didn't have such high expectations of performance or being or anything. Or when I started to realize that other people were just people like me, who are not perfect and started allowing people to just be themselves and stop having this high judgment measurement. And when I started to be a little bit soft, I started to allow myself to grow and be softer. And so I was always paralyzed with this anxiety of even like doing big, bold moves in my business. It was always scary being like, Oh my gosh, what are people going to think? And I needed to be like, you know what they might, how, who am I? Okay, another tangent, guys, but go with me. This is going to work, okay? (laughs) I remember when I was 18 driving around in my car with my friend Becky, and um, we were chatting about, I think I was talking about being self-conscious because, like I said, you guys, I was really shy growing up. Also, like, probably the most insecure, self-conscious person ever. And I remember her saying to me, being self-conscious and insecure is one of the most selfish things ever. And I was like, excuse me, because that I really kept that as my identity. And as I was talking about labels in the beginning, it was like a label I put on myself and then I adhered to. And that's why I don't love labels is because sometimes we box ourselves in and don't let ourselves expand outside of it. But um, she said, yeah, it can be one of the most selfish things because by being insecure and by being self-conscious, you think other people are thinking about you. Boom. Like when I heard that, I was like, OMG. I don't really ever say that. But uh, I was like, wow. And that was like a pivotal moment in my life where I realized being insecure and being fearful of what other people think of me is actually the most selfish thing ever. Because I am assuming other people are even thinking about me. How selfish. I'm assuming people even notice. Once again, very self-focused. And it made me have to check myself. It made me have to go, oh, yeah, who am I to think that me walking around is the center? And so these all these little things that have played out into my life and realizing like, I need to stop thinking people are even noticing what I'm doing or even paying that close of attention to me. I also need to stop being so judgmental and start having a lot more um, grace, I guess, for lack of a better term, towards people and myself. And the more I learn to accept my own flaws, 
the more I could accept other people's flaws. And the more that happened, the more I was able to grow, the more I was able to step out, the more that fear of everything eased. The more I stopped being so kind of full circle, the more, the less judgmental I started being and like the realization that everyone has shit going on in their lives and everyone's struggling with their own thing. And when I'd see somebody where, you know, that reflex of wanting to be judgmental would kick in, I'd be like, you know what, who knows, you know, whatever the case may be, what I don't, I can't even think of an example off the top of my head, but when that human natural response would kick in, I would ask myself like, what's, what, why am I doing this? Is this to make myself feel better? Is this to, is this because I'm feeling insecure? Is this because this person intimidates me? Or like if something, you know, or like, I can't believe so-and-so did this or this, this, and this or whatever. And being like, maybe they're going through something. Maybe they're working through something. And the number one event in my life that helped me the most with this was my divorce. Now, if you guys don't know, I have a whole blog post about my divorce on my website. Um, Maybe I'll do a podcast episode about it sometime. But when I was 28, I went through a divorce that I would wish on no one. And not my specific divorce. I just don't wish divorce on anyone. It's not fun. It's not cool. And even though I was the one to end it and walk away, it is the hardest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I grew up not believing in divorce. I grew up being super judgmental. I remember when people would get divorced after being married a couple of years. I would, oh, there's where Leroy joins in on our episode. He just saw a dog walk by. Hi, buddy. Thank you for protecting me. Um, I used to be so, this, this, part, this episode is turning more about judgment than anxiety. I used to be so judgmental about people who got divorced, especially after a couple of years. I remember being like, huh, clearly they didn't try very hard enough. Um, and then all of a sudden I was in that situation. I'd been married just a couple of years. I was leaving my marriage um, and I was scared like, oh my goodness, I bet you people are now, you know, the way that I thought about people getting divorced after a couple of years, I bet you people are thinking that of me now. And, you know, it kept me, I stayed in my marriage far longer than I ever should have. I remember having um, thoughts after being married for a month of like, I think I made a really big mistake. Um, but that fear and, and anxiety kind of kept me in there longer. Anyway, that being said, that's not the point I'm trying to make. Do you guys love these solo shows where I just am like talking all over the place? But uh, where was I going with that? Oh, it wasn't until I learned, until I went through this, went through my divorce that I realized like, I need to stop being so judgmental. I don't know what people are going through. And you know what? It wasn't until I experienced trauma and tragedy of my own through via my divorce that I realized you don't know what's going on in people's lives. You have no idea. And I need to stop assuming that I do. I need to stop assuming that what's face value, what I see is, is the full picture because it's not. And what I learned through my divorce is there is so much more to it than we ever see. And, you know, I had people say, like, tell me that my divorce was sinful, that I should, that, you know, like, it's super wrong that, um, you know, just all sorts of different thoughts and opinions. Um, but I tried like as much as those hurt, I needed to remember like they haven't experienced what I'm experiencing yet. And sometimes it's not until you've gone through 
some things that you until I really fully understood. Anyway, does does that make sense? I hope it makes sense to you guys. Anyway, so what has really helped me is being a lot softer with myself, being kinder, learning to love myself more, and knowing that I'm gonna have I need to have routine and I need to have balance. And sometimes I bite off more than I can chew especially when it comes to work. I like love if I'm doing something I'm really loving, it's exciting and I can burn myself out and that's when my anxiety can get really bad. But I just wanted to come on here and share with you guys a little bit about more about my journey with anxiety, um, how it shows up, how I work with it. So I hope this episode was helpful. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and it let you understand where I'm coming from a little bit better. So thank you so much for joining me. I have a blast with you guys. Thank you for showing up week in and week out. Is that a saying? Um, And if you guys like this episode, I would love if you subscribed, shared with your friends uh, and left a review because those pump me up. I love seeing your reviews and I just love hanging out with you. So until next week, I don't know why I say that until next week. Just thanks for being here and we'll see you next week. (laughs)